Hey, it's Andrew, and today on the show we have Emily Gonzalez-Sebrian, co-founder and CEO of Frogid. In this episode, we talk about why Emily decided to make the jump and start a SaaS business, how Frogid was born, who their main customers are, and how they help them with churn and retention. We also discuss the importance of onboarding and activation, their unique personalized and human onboarding experience, and how Frogid uses Frogid to retain their customers. As usual, I'm excited to hear what you think of this episode, and if you have any feedback, I would love to hear from you. You can email me directly on andrew at churn.fm. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter and enjoy the episode. Today's episode is sponsored by Avrio, a collaborative insights platform built directly into your workflow. With a browser extension and web app, Avrio provides a new way to capture and share data analysis, user research, and learnings directly in context with your team. From data dashboards, Google Slides, and Slack threads, to inside of apps and team members' heads, Avrio captures all of your insights and creates a single source of truth. Visit avrio.com to learn how you can maximize your team's collective knowledge with Avrio. How do you build a habit forming product? You need to invest. And we saw these, these different. Don't just gun for revenue in the door. This is Churn.fm, the podcast for subscription economy pros. Each week, we hear how the world's fastest growing companies are tackling churn and using retention to fuel their growth. How do you build a habit-forming product? We crossed over that magic threshold to negative churn. You need to invest in customer success. It always comes down to, to retention and engagement. Completely bootstrap, profitable, and growing. Strategies, tactics, and ideas brought together to help your business thrive in the subscription economy. I'm your host, Andrew Michael, and here's today's episode. Hey, Emily, welcome to the show. Thank you, Andrew. <laughs> it's Happy great to, to have here. you here. Yeah, it's great yeah. to have you. Uh, for the listeners, Emily is the CEO and co-founder of Frogged, the fastest way for subscription businesses to improve custom onboarding and retention while avoiding churn. Prior to Frogged, Emily was the managing director of Abencore Brazil, a major player in the energy and environment sectors where she was responsible for the Brazilian and Colombian markets. So my first question for you, Emily, is why did you make the jump? What unique <laughs> insight do you have that drove this you to start a SaaS business? Okay, so yeah, that's like the typical question that person would would make to me and looking a bit on my background. For all my life, I knew that I I was going to start some business. I wasn't sure about where or what about to do it. And it was when I came back to Spain, when I decided to come back to Spain, that I met my co-founders, Gel and Juanjo. And so through meeting them, and it is how Froget came in and the idea of creating uh, this platform, this customer success and support platform uh, appeared. So we met each other in Demion, which is an incubator originally from Spain, though they are also in some countries in Europe. And we somehow chose each other, decided to be co-founders. And this is when deciding uh, on where focusing or what about our project was going to be. And it is basically Angel's background, which uh, mostly designed or show us the path or show us that it was going to be for sure. It was going to be a SaaS. And he always talked of creating a SaaS for other SaaS. Yeah. And this is like the seeds of what Progit is today. Interesting. So uh, you mentioned like a SaaS for other SaaS. So the, the product itself, like uh, Frog Now, specifically focuses to help and serve subscription uh, as a service businesses. 
Yeah. Exactly. And can you elaborate a little bit what you do, just so we can understand a bit more context? Mm-hmm, sure. So we help subscription businesses, mainly SaaS, to handle their customer success as a whole. So we always call it as an umbrella. We understand that customer success starts in the moment that a client be- decides to become a client. And so from onboarding and activation all the way to support, we understand that support is the reactive part, which should be covered also within the umbrella of customer success, which would be a bit more proactive. Within, from our platform, we also cover or we go through optimizing a customer's lifecycle. So it includes upselling, cross-selling, but also support. We do believe that everything is very much related within the life cycle of Phanius of and taking care and optimizing it is what Froggit proposes as, as our core value. So who would you say then uh, within these SaaS businesses is your main persona, your main customer that would be using the product? Okay. So we mainly focus in customer success manager but also product managers are very much interested. And of course, depending a little bit on the size or the moment of the project, it may concern also the CEOs at some point. But if talk, if telling you two would be customer success managers and uh, yeah, product managers. Interesting. Mm-hmm. And then, so just to understand a little bit better then as well, as a customer success manager, uh, I would mm-hmm. be using uh, the service to help set up sort of an onboarding flow for my uh, customers to uh, see as well that you have specific retention-related engagement tools that you offer as well to keep in contact with customers through the life cycle. And then what you're saying as well is support as more of a customer success uh, side of uh, things. So you provide tools to aid in that too. Is that right? Exactly. Yeah. yeah, just to give you a vision of how we foresee the customer success market out there, we always say that there are two big uh, groups of players. And so one of them is more customer metrics, customer success metrics. It's, it's more tools that are going to give you metrics. And on the other side, you have uh, customer communication tools. So we are exactly in the intersection of both. So we don't say that we are customer scoring, we are not a customer scoring platform. We are not providing metrics to that extent. We do provide visibility. So for us, it's really important to show, to show our clients what is happening with their users, what the users do in in their platforms. And so somehow they can distribute them or segment them, hyper-segment them, in fact, and so working them as groups. And when I say in that interse- we are in that intersection, is because we also provide those tools, those customer communication tools, so that you can effectively pull and push those users along their life cycle. That's our, that's our vision, I would say. And so just going back to your question and trying to answer it in a more straight way, it's true that it's customer success managers who would be maybe decided. And I was telling you also, CEOs, normally CEOs are very much related to this decision, but it is not only giving them the vision and the visibility of what happens inside, 
but it's also providing the whole team with the tools to be active, to execute the communications or the interactions with these clients. Yeah. Okay. okay. And then so like to understand as well, like the typical type of customer. So yeah, I know it's subscription as a service businesses or subscription businesses. Would you say that the type of customer success that these businesses engage in is predominantly high touch or does your product serve high touch and low touch models? Because for me, it sounds a little bit as well, like it's at the intersection of also like life cycle marketing. And in some cases, like marketing might be responsible for some of these components of the automation and creating engagement campaigns. But then you're giving the power then to customer success and putting in their hands to handle basically the life cycle of the customer coming in from acquisition mm-hmm. to retention. Mm-hmm. Okay, so we mainly focus in the mid-market. So whenever you are asking me about, it's true that all clients may have different types of clients themselves. So it's different approach, different touch with these clients. We always say that customer success touch is related to the sales touch. For in our case, we mainly focus in the mid market, so it tends to be low touch and tech touch. Okay, but again, we know, and this happens, you can use the the tool for different kind of approaches, but it's mainly focused for yeah, low touch, tech touch, as we said. So you can automate and scale. We always call, we always say, and, and talk about scaling the customer success. Okay, and we always say that the second bottleneck that these kind of companies get to is exactly the bottleneck that you find in customer success while onboarding, activating, and handling these these clients that get in. Okay, so that's where we are focused. Focus, yeah. And from your side as well now, obviously launching the company, how old is the company? We were born in 2019, beginning of 2019, and we started commercializing just last year in January. So, yeah, those two years. (laughs) Nice. And how have you been approaching your own sort of customer success setup? How are you using Frogged? Maybe let us know like some interesting ways that you've been using the tool to help retain customers. Okay, in our case. Yeah, exactly. As you say, we use Frogit with ourselves. So we are like the first clients of Frogit. It's great because we test very much within our own platform and test with, with our current clients. So basically it's a bit, as, as I say, we divide, even though at the very beginning, we just have a few, a bunch of clients. So we don't have that, those many, but it's true that we divide the, the client's we did a specific onboarding depending on the kind of clients they are. And we work very much on these. We always calibrate. So we test very much on the platform, the tool, when, for example, onboarding clients. We use, because within those functionalities, we include both uh, pull and push. So for example, we have in-app messaging, but we also have behavioral emailing. And so we use those tools so that we organize very personalized onboardings for users. So we always say that we live in a very digital world, but it tries to become the more humanized as possible. And that passes through the idea of that every individual is quite unique and they 
really want to feel unique. And it starts with the onboarding. And it was funny because yesterday I was talking with a, with a client and he pointed out this, this topic and he said, Emily, it is true that normally clients, they are attracted to your product, but they really like you per your onboarding or your activation. So that's what really makes them feel understood and uh, somehow to that their expectations will be fulfilled somehow. So it's so important that really first moment that uh, they have with your platform. Yeah, actually, we talk about this a lot on the show. I think onboarding is probably one of the mm. number one most spoken about topics on the show. And it definitely is. I think it's for a, a few reasons. Like one, it's that moment in time where they can actually see, has the is their product fit with the promise fit? So is your marketing aligned with the product you're actually delivering? But I think also sure. because... What's really interesting is that it's the most attention you're ever going to get from your customers at any given time is that time when they're onboarding. It's that moment they've made a conscious decision to sign up and use your product. And I think more often than not as well, these opportunities go to waste. And I don't think people understand what an opportunity is at that moment in time. They think that it's possible to bring people back with lifecycle marketing emails and sort of these campaigns typically never tend to be really effective. So Spending the time to create, like you say, a really well-crafted, personalized onboarding experience for your customers is probably one of the most impactful things you can do for retaining them in the long term and getting them set up right to begin with. I fully agree. Yeah. What's one thing like that you think you've implemented unique in your onboarding experience that you've proven to see like really effective? Is there any specific message or um, email or any experience within the app that you think is unique mm-hmm. to what you've implemented at Frogged? As I said, Andrew, we always try to humanize that, that process and to personalize it as much as possible even though we are talking on a tech touch, okay? What we mostly focus and something that is really working very well is, yes, these kind of messages or short videos that appear as in-app messages when these users are onboarding in the platform. We really make a lot of attention in them. And we always try, we use humor quite a lot. And we think this is somehow getting attention and getting also that connection with the user. And we do believe that somehow this is engaging the user with the platform. This is, of course, this is a decision and a style that every company has to define. In our case, this is working quite a lot. And so the idea of personalizing, so not everyone is going to receive or is not going to go through the same process, but all of them are aiming to the same goals, but in their own timings, these connected with this humor or this light humor is like showing our personality. And that that is having a, we do believe is having a, a great effect. Yeah. I think at the end of the day, you're dealing with humans. A lot of times exactly. like we forget when you build software that it exactly. doesn't matter like what their background is, what their role is, like uh, people still if they find something funny they're going to find it funny and so i think sometimes you're going to too much of a good exactly creating that connection is is what at the very end you are aiming and you are looking to so yeah we think we think that that's a great way 
Sorry. You mentioned as well videos. There's uh, part of the component of your onboarding, uh, personalized videos. Uh, So what do you have in these videos typically? And when you say personalized videos, is it uh, from your perspective, like it's the team personally introducing the product or are you actually making one-to-one videos for customers coming through the door? Okay, we have that in mind. It's not yet on on the table, but yeah, we are probably moving to to that idea. Uh, yeah, so far it's yeah videos from the team and related very much to the moment. Of course, the message is not just the video, but it has a part. So in that part, we personalize it. So we address to to the client or the user specifically. And uh, yeah, so that is. I think it's a way, as you say. So behind the silver is human. So at the very end, we are touching that that person and connecting with that person. And of course, giving them what they are expecting, but not forgetting that there is someone behind. So yeah, that's a big idea. Nice. So one question I ask every guest that joins the show, let's imagine sort of a hypothetical scenario now that you go off and you join a new company. And this company, like they're not doing great with churn and retention. And the CEO comes to you and says, hey, Emily, we really need to turn things around. We need to do it fast. We have 90 days uh, to try and make a dent in churn. What would you want to be doing with that time and how would you make an impact? Okay. (laughs) Okay, so I suppose I get in and I have 90 days. Okay, so the first thing is analyzing what the company is currently doing. And also going to beat the numbers and the metrics and how, what is going on within this department of yeah, customer success and support understanding a bit, which is the behavior relating it uh, to the product. Of course, we need to understand very much the product and a bit this connection, as I was saying before. And then once understood where the problem is focused, I would always start like testing and doing proposals and testing those proposals. We would go with groups of users, maybe of clients, and try to implement new policies. Whenever a company is suffering from churn, I remember going back and out from my current current role as part of this company or hypothetical company you're telling me about. But I remember that we have we actually have a client who told us about this exactly this problem, and that they stopped stopped the sales machine. So they stopped from selling because they had a very high rates of churn. And so what they do is for three months, they stopped and check what was happening inside to understand which processes had to be changed and what was the big hole and what was happening. So this is something that at some point could be done. So for a company, it's so important to understand what is happening. So also going deep to understand with these clients who are turning and who are not staying longer and understanding what is happening so that the measures that, that we can implement, they really are useful. I, will, I would add, Andrew, that we do believe that churn is very much connected to this onboarding and activation process that we are super talking about. And that is something that I would also put hands on and understand. So a very well activated and onboarded client is a, is a client which would cause much less support incidences and that will turn less. 
So that's uh, a bit my vision. So this is uh, like a bit the lines that I would follow. Yeah, absolutely. I 100% agree. Like the, in terms of activating customers, it's super critical uh, if you really want to reduce uh, churn in the long run as well. And it has a, the compounding effect of keeping more people around for longer as well. And I think one of the things that people often do when they think about, okay, what do I need to do to turn around uh, churn is their immediate response is to go and look at the customers that are churning and see what's going wrong and why are they leaving. But more often than not, sometimes it can be even more impactful to actually look at those that are successful. What are they doing that's going right for these customers? And then reverse engineering that for new customers. So seeing, okay, Mm -hmm. like how can we get the rest of our customers to this happy state that we've got this core set of customers too. And we've had a few interesting episodes uh, on the show as well. We interviewed the CEO of Superhuman uh, and they had an interesting approach to testing their product market fit mm-hmm. where they basically segmented their audience down and looking at the customer satisfaction. So like question asking is like, how likely would you, no, sorry, what is it? How would you feel if you could no longer use our product or service? Yeah. Uh, And then based on the score, what they went then did was like segmented their audience down and they found that there was a core set of uh, their customers that had a really high score and they they knew there was some strong product market fit from them. And then they just started doubling down on that segment, understanding it better, trying to improve the features. And then what they also did was ask a follow-up question around what could what's one thing that we could do that would make like our product unstoppable and like a superpower mm-hmm. for you. And then Anything that didn't align with what they believed was the main core experience of the product, they discarded. And anything that was in line, then those were the people that they really took their feedback on board and they worked to try and improve the product and iterated the way basically to product market fit slowly but surely. Uh, so. mm-hmm. Yeah, it is true, Andrew, that always having a look to the to a different or from a different angle will give you a far wider vision of what is happening. And yeah, I do. I do completely agree with the idea of not only interviewing and knowing very much who is living, but understanding who is really uh, making a full use and is a power user of, of your platform or your tool, your product is also going to give you very good clues of what should be implemented in the rest. Yeah, yeah, I do believe uh, yeah, I do agree. Cool. Last question for the day then. What's one thing that you know today about churn and retention that you wish you knew when you got started? That's a hard one. <laughs> we have learned so many things. So just uh, summing up in one, I would say that that I've been I've been talking so much about this, but at the very when we started, we didn't see that much connection, as I say, from onboarding and activation to turn. We didn't, uh, we weren't that much aware as we are today. And not only onboarding and activation, but I could say that the first seven days and the first three days within those seven are the most important during the activation process. So if we knew that at the very beginning, it could probably would have helped us step a bit faster forward but yeah yeah i would say that's it that's an interesting it. one yeah. yeah i think that's also one of the episodes i think we interviewed sean klaus from atlassian mm-hmm. and one of the interesting things that they found as well like through all the analysis they try to do to understand what is the best indicator for retention 
what it came down to in the end was actually the time of the first session. So how long people spent in their product on their first session was like, it was crazy, the correlation it had between retention. And I think like anything over 30 minutes was almost like guaranteed to be like a net positive, uh, net negative retention uh, on the account. Uh, and it's just goes back to things like that time that you have uh, with them at the very beginning is the most critical and important time. And that's when they're going to show you and give you the most attention. So maximizing that and uh, taking advantage like is really where you're going to see you know, the biggest impact. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, completely. Mm-hmm. Cool. Emily, it's been a pleasure having you on the show today. Is there yeah. any final thoughts you want to leave the listeners with? Anything they should be aware of to keep up to speed with your work? Yeah, sure. There is one thought. I was assisting to to a webinar, not like a few uh, few weeks ago. I would say it was in in December, early December. And uh, for any company, mainly SaaS, if they are questioning when is the right moment to implement a customer success process, as they were suggesting and telling, is like part of the growth strategy itself. So whenever you plan that in advance. That is something that really helps you step forward and and avoid possible, not only bottlenecks, but problems that you may face. Yeah. Including that as part of the growth strategy is something that I would recommend and that we do with ourselves. From the start. Yeah. I think one of those things that customer success is typically not like framed from a growth mindset in the sense it's in a lot of companies still it's seen as a cost center and a lot Mm -hmm. of them times they struggle to prove the ROI but slowly I think that definitely that mindset is changing a lot in the industry people are really starting to understand and see the value of a well-structured customer success uh, team and engine Mm -hmm. within a company so yeah that's a great point making sure you have it up and right early from the beginning like a plan at least of how you're going to go about implementing it because it really is going to help drive growth uh, for the business at the end of the day yeah that's it so mm-hmm. emily so thank you very much andrew for the opportunity and for being here with you today thank you i uh, wish you best of mm-hmm. luck now going forward into 2021 and that's a wrap for the show today with me andrew michael i really hope you enjoyed it and you're able to pull out something valuable for your business to keep up to date with churn.fm and be notified about new episodes blog posts and more Subscribe to our mailing list by visiting churn.fm. Also, don't forget to subscribe to our show on iTunes, Google Play, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. If you have any feedback, good or bad, I would love to hear from you. And you can provide your blunt, direct feedback by sending it to andrew at churn.fm. Lastly, but most importantly, if you enjoyed this episode, please share it and leave a review as it really helps get the word out and grow the community. Thanks again for listening. See you again next week.